How many of you glad to be in church? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Um, let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you today in Jesus' name for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you're going to manifest your power in this place today. And we open our hearts and we say, Spirit of God, do what you desire to do in this place. Heal, touch, deliver, save, save set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you could remain standing, we're going to read Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 18 together. And the title of the message is, Christ is enough. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read together out loud in Jesus' name. Colossians 1 and verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. You may be seated. Amen. So Colossians 1.18 says that in all things he may have the preeminence. Christ is enough. A.W. Tozer said this, Christ is enough to have him and nothing else is to be rich beyond measure. But to say that is one thing and to live that is another. Amen. It's something entirely to live it because it's easy to say that Christ is enough. But do you live like Christ is enough? Do we live our lives like Christ is enough? Because in a narcissistic, hedonistic, superficial consumer culture that is constantly telling us that you need to buy this or that product in order to be happy. You need to wear this. You need to drive that. You need to live there in order to be fulfilled. Can we honestly say that Christ is enough? That Christ is all I want. Christ is all I need. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 1.19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, then in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now Christ may be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Can we say like Paul the Apostle, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, Paul was a man who had tunnel vision. He had one focus, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. He said, this one thing I do. He wasn't, you know, focused on a whole lot of different things. He had one focus and that was Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. He declared that Christ is enough. I originally preached this message about six months ago at the cross during uh, the, the papal cross in the Phoenix Park. We were having an illegal gathering uh, during lockdown. 
Was that six months ago or was that a year ago? I can't remember. A year ago? Wow. Life has become a bit of a blur. But anyway, last year I preached this message at the cross. Uh, and, and, you know, strictly speaking, it was, it was cold. That's okay. But it was an illegal gathering. But, you know, I'd felt deeply disquieted for quite some time. That during what was one of the darkest times in our history, that the church was closed. You know, you had off licenses open and you had supermarkets open, etc. But you know, the one place that people could find the living bread from heaven was closed. And um, uh, I felt personally that I had to make a stand. And so on Sunday morning, we went to the cross uh, to, to worship in the Phoenix Park. This, this beautiful 115 foot high cross where one time a million people gathered uh, when the Pope came and I think it was 1979. I was actually, I wasn't there in the Phoenix Park but I, I think he, he went to Limerick and um, about a quarter of a million people turned up to see Pope John Paul. Lovely man, God-fearing man, but uh, uh, I remember being so impressed. I was only five or six, but I remember seeing the helicopter arrive. Man, I tell you something, it was nothing on the Beatles. This was, this was like, I didn't, I didn't know what he was going to do. I, 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 I was just, you know, it was amazing. But, um, but anyway, we gathered that, that beautiful uh, white cross. My friend, Pastor Tunde from the Redeemed uh, Church was there, and he was praying for me. And he said afterwards, Pastor John, he said, three times the Gardaí came, there was a long cavalcade, there was a van and there was cars. They came into the car park, three times they came, and three times they drove out again. And I was like, praise the Lord for that. Because <laughs> I was sure I was going to be arrested. And, um, but you know, I, I think it's significant, you know, that in what was a very dark time, we found refuge at the foot of the cross. Amen. And as we stood beneath that beautiful, uh, you know, 115 foot high cross, uh, you know, I certainly was reminded that, that we serve a God who understands suffering, having suffered himself. You see, the cross was the symbol of suffering, and therefore, the Bible says we have not a Savior who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. One was tempted in all points, like as we are yet without sin. And so if you're suffering, know this, Christ understands. He felt what you feel. He stood where you stand. He understands, even when nobody else does. And so as we stood beneath that cross, I found hope. And, you know, a number of weeks ago, I drove past her. And I just felt that peace and that hope and that comfort again as I drove past that cross with my kids. Because I remember what it was like to leave my home during lockdown with my kids in the car and, and, and driving up to the cross, knowing that most likely I was going to be arrested for what I was doing. But again, I didn't do so because I was looking to provoke the Gardaí in any way. I respect them. They have a very difficult job to do. But again, I believe that time came to take a stand. And so, like I said, the cross reminds us that our God understands suffering. He suffered betrayal, shame, and unimaginable, you know, physical uh, pain and horror. He stood alone at the cross. You see, he is a God who gave his all for us, and he expects us to give our all for him. You know, Patrick was a man who implicitly understood that. Patrick, the, the patron saint of Ireland. 
You know, 1,500 years ago, he was brought to this island as a slave from Great Britain. And he suffered, uh, you know, in this nation because he was abandoned on a mountainside, you know, minding the herds of those who had taken him captive and, 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 and enslaved him. He was subject to the harsh Irish elements. And, um, you know, he was battling hunger and, and thirst and cold and, and hopelessness. And yet, by God's glorious grace, Patrick encounters Christ in, in this place of despair and loneliness. Think about how frustrating that must be for the devil. That the very place that was meant to destroy him ends up becoming the place that defines him. Because Ireland has forever become associated with Patrick, and Patrick with Ireland. He's our, our patron saint, even though ironically he's British. For those of you who've just come to Ireland, understand Ireland is a place of paradoxes. But Patrick is forever associated with the land of his captivity. And it was in this place of suffering that Patrick comes to understand the words of Christ to Paul, where he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Patrick came to the very same place in his life, and he declares in the midst of his captivity, Christ is enough. And, and suddenly, his place of captivity becomes a place of encounter, because if you read the confession of, of Patrick, it's the oldest writings we have in this nation. Um, uh, you know, the, the confession of Patrick, he's writing his, uh, um, you know, he tells his story um, in, in the confession, but, but he writes about how, you know, night and day, he would pray and seek the face of God. A hundred uh, times during the day and again at night, he would cry out to God in this place of, of, of captivity and loneliness. And, and the amazing thing is this, that loneliness and cold and hunger or neglect no longer concerned him because he had become connected with something that wasn't based on his circumstances or his surroundings. He had connected with heaven. And therefore, again, he, he, he was able to receive everything that heaven had for him. And he was no longer concerned about his suffering because he discovered in his place of slavery that Christ is enough even there. And then God, you know, uh, speaks to Patrick and reveals that his time of slavery is coming to an end and that there is a boat awaiting for him, but that boat is 200 miles away. And again, the penalty for an escaped slave is death. And yet Patrick, by faith, leaves. God brings him um, uh, to this boat, brings him back uh, to Great Britain, to the safety and, and love and comfort of his family. But amazingly, one night God sends an angel named uh, Victoricus to, uh, who appears to Patrick and he has letters. And, and he has letters from, uh, from the Irish because Vox Hibernia in Latin means... Uh, the voice of the Irish and suddenly Patrick hears the voices of all of these men and women who had oppressed him and who had you know taken him as slave and Patrick's heart is moved and 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 like I said he hears uh, the, the voice of the Irish and just like the prophet Isaiah who went before him he responds to this encounter by declaring here am I send me and Patrick 
um, understandably is criticized. He's misunderstood. He's even labeled as reckless. He writes this in his confession. People say, who is this guy going to this pagan people, this violent, you know, pagan people um, uh, endangering his life? And uh, because he's going back to Ireland on what seems like a suicide mission, because again, the penalty for an escaped slave is death. Patrick seems to be sealing his fate to go back there, and yet, in spite of the danger, the criticism, and the many challenges, Patrick comes to Ireland with a message of hope, a message of salvation, a message of freedom. And this is the irony, is that the escaped slave returns to those who once enslaved him with a message of life and liberty. Amen. The, the, the slave returns to bring freedom to his captors. Patrick faced many trials and tribulations along the way, many dangers in his ministry on this island. He was, uh, he was captured and enslaved at least three times, but each time God delivers him. You know, by God's grace, he prevails. And he not only brings Christ to Ireland, he brings Ireland to Christ. And this is the beautiful thing, is that, you know, he brought this nation to Christ. You know, Patrick understood he was in a battle for eternal souls. And this is why, you know, he wasn't surprised at the attacks and the trials and the challenges that he faced along the way. I want to write, uh, I want to read to you a prayer that Patrick wrote, and it's known as uh, Patrick's breastplate. And I think this ancient prayer, you know, perfectly illustrates Patrick's understanding of the fact that he was in a battle. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the treeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I rise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom. I rise today through the strength of the love of cherubim, in the obedience of angels, in the servants of archangels, in the hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in the prayers of patriarchs, in the predictions of prophets, in the preaching of apostles, in the faith of confessors, in the stability uh, of the earth, the firmness of rock, I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me, from snares of devils, from temptations of vices, from any, everyone who would wish me ill, afar and near. I summon today all these powers between me and these evils, against every cruel and merciless power that may oppress my body and soul, against incantations of false prophets, against black laws of pagandom, against false laws of heretics, against craft of idolatry, against spells of witches and smiths and wizards, against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul. Christ to shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that there may come to me an abundance of reward. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. 
Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, true belief in the treeness, true confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Thank you, Jesus. Could you give a shout of praise to the Lord today? Fifteen hundred years later, that prayer still resonates in our hearts as we read it. Because this is a man who had come to discover that no matter what he faces, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. It was the prayer of a British man who loved us and our ancestors so much. That he was willing to literally face down the very powers of darkness in bringing the truth to our people. You know what Patrick was saying in this prayer? Christ is enough. Bring it on devil. I am not afraid. Because I believe that Christ is enough. Christ is all I want. Christ is all I need. But you know what, in all earnestness, I didn't hold those services at the cross, like I said, for exposure or notoriety or to provoke a reaction. I appreciate there are some who consider being arrested a badge of honor, but that certainly wasn't my desire. Like I said, I, I, I wasn't looking for a confrontation with the guardie when we gathered. I respect them. They have a very difficult job. We simply held our outdoor services, as I did on Easter Sunday morning, because I was concerned about God's glory. Do you know the Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7 to 9? It declares, worship God. It gives one command, worship God. We worship by divine command, not by government authorization. So we gather to worship and to pray and to proclaim, not to protest. You know, as a pastor, I've been deeply concerned about the fact that the churches in Ireland had been closed for months and that God deserved to be worshipped. Do you know that even during the Blitz in London, when there was nightly bombings, people still gathered to worship God? Because when he said in Matthew 18, where two or more gathered in my name, he did not mean on Zoom. Praise God for the, you know what that facilitates us to do. But it is no substitute for the gathering of the saints. Come on, look around you today. This is beautiful. It's beautiful. Come on. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For these few hours today, this is the house of the Lord. I don't know what crazy stuff is going to be going on here during the week. My understanding is some kind of pole dancing or something. But that's why I put the cross there. We are here right now and we are here to worship. We are here to honor God. Are you uncomfortable, Pastor John? No, I'm not. The last building I had used to be a brothel. I believe that's part of my calling. I'm called to bring light into dark places. Glory to God. The darker our society becomes, the more the light of the gospel is going to shine. Glory to Jesus. Church, it's time for us to shine. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Let the world mock. Let the world say what they will. I'm going to shine the gospel. I'm going to do my best to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is the answer. 
So we gathered at the cross because the previous Easter we had been closed and we were meant to be closed that Easter as well. I said, Lord, in all good conscience, I cannot for a second Easter not gather with the saints. So at 6 a.m. we gathered for a sunrise service to pray and to worship and we prayed for this nation. And by God's grace, those restrictions were lifted not too long afterwards because God answers prayer. He answers prayer. How many of you we serve a God who answers prayer? You see, there's a sacred aspect to the gathering of the saints that secular governments must never interfere with. Amen? Because public worship is a sacred tradition that Christians have followed for 2,000 years. Amen? And so, again, I do not believe we have the right to redefine the Great Commission in the name of safety or the greater good. Because that is a commonest term. The greater good. No, God doesn't deal with us as groups. He deals with us as individuals. Amen? And so there is no, when they talk about the greater good, there is no greater good than the proclamation of the eternal, everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ that can save eternal souls from hell. There's no greater good than the preaching of the gospel. And that is why we gather, and it is, it is so important because no government, no doctor, no dictator, or minister, or pastor for that matter, has the right to stop the people of God from gathering to worship the King of Kings. Could somebody say amen? Matthew 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me say this, the day is drawing near, the day of Christ's return. If you can't see it, I, I, I pray God will open your eyes. You know, God spoke to me so strongly last night, I was reading Ezekiel 33. You know, over the last number of messages I've given, particularly on joy, I was speaking to you as a watchman on the wall. And yet many believers are completely oblivious to what is happening right now. I don't know if any of you saw President Biden's speech this week. He looked like he was speaking from the very bowels of hell. I'm not looking for applause. I'm just acknowledging. You know, I believe many of our leaders have chosen their sides. And we as the church have to stop sitting on the fence and hiding away from these, these issues out of fear of appearing political. The gospel affects every realm of, of, of society. And let me say this, if the church doesn't speak up, the time is going to quickly come, just like in Hitler's Germany, where we will not be allowed to speak, where we will not be allowed to gather. These people are sold out to so many demonic agendas. And it's, it is important for us as the church that we are aware, that we are awake. And so, anyway... Um, why do we gather? We were, we were gathered because I was conscious of the needs of my congregation. Aside from God's glory, I saw many people who needed, you know, pastoral care. And so, as a pastor, I decided to minister to the people of God. But were, we, were you worried, pastor, about being labeled or being judged? Well, if I was, I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. You see, Hebrew, Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 7 says, Thus says the Lord, consider your ways. And thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. We must consider our ways because when we're more concerned about what people might think or say, rather than with offending God, we will miss it every time. What matters is that we honor and obey God 
Amen? Because again, it's all for His glory. It's not about you and it's not about me. It never was. It is truly all about Christ because He is enough. He gets all of the glory because it is His kingdom. It is His power. It is His gospel, His eternal truth, His salvation, His love, His hope, His name, His church. His resurrection, His ascension, His spirit, His saving, delivering power. And this is why we must take serving God seriously in this day. You know, one thing that is common I find from talking to pastors, whether in this nation or or around the world, one of the common things is this, is that in spite of everything we've seen over the last number of years, Many people are not as faithful as they were before COVID. I I find that shocking when we see so many, you know, antichrist agendas clearly at play. They're no longer even hiding them. They're no longer even hiding these agendas. And yet, you know, talking to pastors, you, you know, from around the world and here in this nation, it's the same thing. People who are coming three or four times a month to church, now coming once or twice. People, we need to wake up. We need to wake up and make a decision. Okay, if I'm a Christian, then I'm going to live for Christ. Okay, because this thing is sitting on the fence. I mean, utterly oblivious to what's going on around us is extremely dangerous. You know, so we must remember it's all about Him. Christ is enough. May we never be dumb enough to get in the way of what God wants to do or to take the glory that belongs to Him alone. Amen, because as a pastor, I get tired of the political games that go on sometimes among ministers because again when our very first question is what is in this for me how will this make me look or how will this make my ministry look or will this be to my advantage rather than simply asking the question will God be honored and glorified by this it shows that our hearts are wrong Acts 8 and 21 it says you have no part to share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God You know, the Amplified, it says your heart, your motive, your purpose is not right before God. You see, God sees our hearts. And therefore, you know, if the church is ever to live up to its high and its holy calling, amen, we need to drop the personal agendas and ambitions, the parochial attitudes, you know, uh, the trendy causes and the woke lectures. And we need to get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to preach the gospel in its simplicity, amen. We don't need to add to the gospel and we certainly don't need to modernize or moderate the message just because it might offend somebody who has decided to you know indulge their perverse uh, inclinations Uh, no Christ is still enough he is still mighty to save and he said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 26 if you're ashamed of me I will be ashamed of you it says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of, the son of, of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and of his fathers and of the holy angels. I, I truly believe this, the return of Christ is near because personally, I do not believe that we can continue on the tangent we are as a society, you know, uh, castrating little children, cutting pieces off their body, you know, provoking God with all of the sin, all of the perversion, and then, you know, with this kind of self-righteous, virtuous attitude that they take towards what they are doing, killing, you know, millions of babies every year. I'm sorry, as a society, we have clearly stepped over the line. I find it ironic when you see Western nations talking about our values to other nations what values there's a river of blood that flows through our nations 
We must fall on our faces in repentance because I truly believe we are provoking the wrath of God by the way that we live. And I include much of the church in that. As the church, we're watching the same rubbish on TV that many of the world are in the name of entertainment. Where are the men and women who carry the burden of the Lord, who are burdened about the state of this lost and confused generation? We know better. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much will be expected. If a lost person is living like a lost person, a person who's in darkness, you know, it's completely natural that a child of the devil will live like the devil. But what about us? Too many times we're walking in the half-light of neither being in light nor in darkness. Is it okay if I get real today? John 12 and 32. If I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. You see, our job is to simply lift him up. Our job is to simply lift him up. Because like I said, we have an epidemic of, of, of addiction, mental health issues, homelessness, despair, domestic abuse, marriage breakdown, along with war, inflation, and suicide. And we're still playing church. We're still thinking God's pleased with me turning up once a month. Where's my medal, God? Where's my little gold star? It's time to stop playing church. It's time to be the church. This world needs us to be the church. The reason why many of them have not accepted Christ is not because of Christ. Wasn't it Mahatma Gandhi once said, I love your Christ. I don't love your Christians. They're so unlike your Christ. Do you find that convicting? I do. It's time to preach Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 1.23. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Paul the apostle had one message and one message only. And that was Jesus. Jesus. The cross of Christ. Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is enough. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what your situation is, but Christ is enough. Christ is enough. He has this. He sees you. He loves you. Build your life on him and you will stand through every test and every trial that comes your way. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. He didn't say if. He said when. And those times come to all of us. Those times when we are completely overwhelmed by what is going on or what is going wrong in our lives. Those times when we run out of answers. Those times when, when we run out of hope. The Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
Some of you need to stop trying to do this in your strength and learn to surrender to his. That's what God was saying to Paul in that place. My grace is sufficient for you. You didn't start this. You're not going to finish this. Just learn to surrender and trust in Christ. He is enough. Could somebody say thank you, Jesus? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Who is the rock? Jesus Christ is our rock. When people fail you, when your friends betray you, when you even fail yourself, we come to the cross and we find hope. Why? I look at the cross and I'm reminded that I matter. I look at the cross and I'm reminded that I'm loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That cross is a symbol of the value that God places on your eternal soul. So people can judge me. People can label me. People can reject me or talk about me. People can even try and kill me. It doesn't matter. The cross declares that I have an inherent value to God. And it declares it to you as well. It declares you are loved. That you are so loved. For God so loved the world. Just say that to yourself today. I'm, I'm loved. Yeah, you might not be perfect. You might have failed. You might have fought and fallen short in all sorts of ways. But today the Lord is calling you to come to the rock. The rock of ages, Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All on the ground. Sinking sand. If you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. That's what the Bible says. Underneath are the everlasting arms. I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes look at my life and I, I think, Lord, I fall short in so many areas. You know, we stumble, we fall. And yet each time we encounter God's grace. You see, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins, he loved you before he washed you. He loved you when you were still out in the nightclubs, when you were still, you know, involved in drugs or promiscuity or all sorts of darkness. I think it's a beautiful thing. Like I said, our last church we discovered in the process of renovating and it had been used as a brothel. And I remember the guys who told me that were, were laughing, they were sniggering. They thought it was quite funny because we were trying to turn this building into a church. They didn't understand. Life is greater than darkness. Place, this place can be pitch dark. You just turn on one light. And you know what happens? Darkness flees. Darkness flees. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ is enough. And you know what? Week after week after week, men and women came up that aisle and gave their lives to Jesus Christ in that dirty, smelly old building. Hallelujah. Because we serve a God who lives. We serve a God who conquered death, hell, and the grave. Greater is he that is in us. So bring it on, devil. The greater one is in us. We are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Glory to God. You're a victory waiting to happen. 
So yeah, we stumble, at times we fall, but you know what the Bible says? You know, underneath are the everlasting arms. Some of us thought we were holding on to God, but it's when our strength failed, we discovered that God was holding on to us. Underneath are the everlasting arms. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hallelujah. It's not about your strength. It never was. It's not about your wisdom. It never was. It's about His. Hallelujah. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. Just learn to surrender to Him, child of God, because He loves you. Hallelujah. He loves you. Praise you, Jesus. Build your life on Him. This is going to be a two-part message. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Be under no illusions, people. Difficult times are coming. Fact is, difficult times are here. And they may get a whole lot crazier. But you know what? When you build your life on the rock, come what may, you're not going to be shaken. Because how many of you know there is no recession in heaven? There is no fear in heaven. You know, I went through a, a, a period where I was really struggling with despair. And just, just this oppression really came on me. And I was really, really struggling for quite some time. But I remember that beautiful song that Cassie sang today. The cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the reason why I'm alive. And the Lord just brought that verse to my remembrance. You know, in the book of Numbers, where they put the brazen serpent up on the pole. And God essentially said to the Jewish people, look and live. Because you see, I'd been looking at myself and looking at my shortcomings, looking at my inadequacy, looking at my weakness, looking at my so many areas where I didn't feel like I was ticking the boxes. But you see, when we look at ourselves, we always start to sink, just like Peter. You know, Peter was fine as long as he had his eyes on the Lord walking on water. It's when he took his eyes off the Lord and started putting them on the circumstances on the winds and the waves. And let me tell you, there's a lot of winds and waves right now. That's why you need to be careful about what media you're exposing yourself to. You know, recently I've been just, I, I often just look at the headlines in the papers and, you know, it, it's gone from, you know, COVID terror to inflation terror, to war terror, to World War III, to this, to that, to the other. It's so important we guard our hearts. And remember something, God wants us to be at peace. Bible says, they which have believed have entered into rest. There is a rest that we can have even in these unsettled and turbulent times. We can have a peace that passes understanding. But we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we have to remind ourselves, you know what? The God who brought me to it is going to bring me through it. Amen? Christ is enough. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So we're not going to worry about recession, about wars, about any other thing that's going on. You know what? Hallelujah. Our eyes are on Jesus. Now, I'm conscious of my beautiful Ukrainian brothers and sisters. 
and, and, and everything that's going on there. And many of them have family over there and they're here in a, a nation, you know, that's so far from home and they don't, many of them don't speak the language. It, it's not easy. It's difficult. We need to pray for them. But we need to remember that no matter what is going on or what is going wrong, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. And Lord, we just raise up that situation right now. Could you stand to your feet today? Lord, we raise up the Ukraine. Lord, I know that you love the people of Russia. You love the people of Ukraine, Lord. And I pray that you will bring peace in the name of Jesus Christ. You are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, and, uh, Father, I know that there are many mothers and fathers, whether they're Russian or Ukrainian, who are grieving their sons. Others who are living in terror that their sons may come to harm. And so, Father, we pray that you will bring closure to this situation. And I pray you will grant repentance to any of the Western nations that have been seeking to, to promote this conflict simply because it, it, it you know, enables them to push whatever nefarious agendas they may have. Lord, I pray that you will grant repentance to our nations in Jesus' name. And I pray that you will bring peace to the Ukraine, Lord God. We bless the beautiful people of the Ukraine, Lord. And we pray that you will bring peace in Jesus' name. Let peace come, Lord God. Let there be a cessation of hostilities, Lord God. We pray for repentance. We pray for peace, Lord God, in Jesus' precious name. Lord God, we, we pray for every one of the Ukrainian people, Lord, whether they're in the Ukraine or whether they're scattered throughout all of the nations. You see them exactly where they are. You see them. You see their scattered families, and you love them, and your hand is upon them, Lord, and we pray that you would help them in Jesus' name name and Lord I pray that you would help us to enlarge our hearts in Jesus name help us to enlarge our hearts Lord God to help in the name of Jesus Christ father we love you and we look to you today we know there are so many things going on in the world right now that could trouble us Lord God so many things Lord God that could cause anxiety in our hearts I know there's people today wondering will I have enough money to heat my home or will I have enough money to pay my mortgage or or you know will I have enough money to support my kids and my parents and Lord I understand Lord that these are challenging times <coughs> but you said this Lord let not your hearts be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If we're not, if we're not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And we know, Lord, that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And I know that this message today is part of that preparation process where you are knocking those rough edges off of us, where you are speaking to us personally about where we have to change, where we need to change, and where you will enable us Lord God, because it's not in our strength, it's in yours. I know you love every person in this place, Lord. And therefore, we choose to obey your word. We will not let our hearts be troubled because we believe in God and we believe also in you. And we know that in your Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And we have this beautiful promise in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Lord, you have gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. And you've also promised that one day, and I believe that day is coming soon, where you're going to come back for us. 
to take us that we may be with you forever in heaven. And so, Lord God, we refuse to be troubled by the evil and wickedness that we see so prevalent, by the confusion, the darkness. Lord, we pray that you will enable us to shine for you. You said to arise and shine, for our light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Lord, nothing that is happening right now is taking you by surprise. Lord, I believe that COVID had been designed. I believe it had been planned. Just as so many other things that are happening right now are not an accident. They have been planned because there is a demonic blueprint. But I thank God that there is a greater blueprint than that which the devil and his followers have. And that is your plan, your purpose, your will, which will always prevail for your people. And you said that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so, Lord, we are looking to you. And we will not let our hearts be troubled. We will not give in to fear or anxiety or panic or despair because we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Just declare that today. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, could you give a shout of praise to the Lord today? Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Praise you, Jesus. Christ is enough. Could we just enter into that chorus for a few moments, please? Come on, people, don't, don't miss what the Lord wants to do right now. Let's just enter into a moment of worship and just make this declaration. Christ is enough.
turning back. No turning back. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, let's lift our voices one more time. Yeah. 
opportunity. If you have been backslidden and you've been away from God, you know it. God knows it. The devil knows it. I want to include you in this prayer. So if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we sing one more chorus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come down as well. Amen. We're doing this because we love you, because the time is short. And so if you've been away from the Lord, but today you want to come back to Him, come down. We're going to include you in this prayer in Jesus' name. Let's lift our voice one more time. The cross. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no Praise to the Lord. Okay. 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 